We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Joining the podcast now to preview the 2019 Baltimore Orioles is Paul Valley. You can find him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third, and he's the host of the Payoff Pitch. It is a Baltimore Orioles podcast, and also he writes for Utah Street Report. Paul, what's up? 
How's it going, Andrew? Uh, happy to be on the show today. Yes. Uh, so what we've done is we've previewed three, uh, the, uh, the other three ALA's teams, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays. And we've gotten uh, from those teams, we've gotten, you know, people, media members who cover the team. And last year when we, did, when we did the Orioles, we also got a media member from the Orioles. But I figured this year, because the Orioles are in a unique spot, they're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. I wanted to get a fan on. You are a fan of the Baltimore Orioles. So talk to me about what you are actually looking forward to this year. Well, you know, after a 115 loss season, there's not really much to look forward to. Um, people in Baltimore are very aware of the 14 straight losing seasons they had from 98 to 2011. So we all kind of know how to prepare ourselves for bad baseball. Um, so for me, the things that I'm looking forward to, the Orioles have a couple of interesting Rule 5 players. They're actually going to probably carry three Rule 5 players north with them for the second time, for the second year in a row. Uh, but they got Richie Martin, who's a former first-round pick. He, had, he was the first pick in the Rule 5 draft. He had 300 at double-A Bowie last year, and he's going to be their starting shortstop. I want to see if he continues to progress and if he can handle the game at the major league level. Um, the roster as it currently stands, there's nothing, there's not much else to really be excited about. They have holes all over the diamond, whether it's the rotation, the bullpen, the infield or the outfield, they don't even have a starting or backup catcher named yet on the team. So <laughs> the roster as it currently stands, not too exciting, but they have a lot of interesting minor league players that could be making their debuts or coming up for the long term sometime throughout the summer that I'm really interested in seeing play. And I think that's probably the logical thing as a fan of the team to be excited for is the future. So, so I get that. But are you a little bit shocked at how quickly it ended? Because under Buck Showalter, they were a pretty good team for, what was he there, nine years? They made the playoffs three times. It wasn't that long ago they were in the ALCS. And now to where they are, what they did last year, 115 losses. Like I feel like that cliff really came up quickly. Well, a lot of pundits would uh, would sit there and say that they saw it coming because those Picada projections always had them finishing last in the AL East, and they always exceeded by a wide margin those expectations. And they did a lot with smoke and mirrors. The Orioles, for five or six years, were very much a beer league softball team. Just they relied on a strong bullpen and just outslugging the other teams. Uh, last year I was surprised at how, I mean, when you lose 115 games, that's historically bad, but so, so you were, you're surprised to see that, but I mean, they went out and they signed Andrew Kashner and Alex Cobb, uh, during to come in during spring training and kind of anchor their pitching staff, which was the worst in baseball the year before. And they were, they had a lot of their core still intact. They still had Manny Machado coming off an MVP caliber year. Jonathan Scope, who was a team MVP the year before, hoping Chris Davis would get back to the slugger that he's been in years past. Nobody saw a 47 win season coming. And so, yeah, I was, I was shocked at how bad they were. Everything that could go wrong last year went wrong. Yeah, and Machado was on fire for the first half of the season. He was having his best offensive year. And Scoop, like you said, he's what he was their best offensive player the prior year. And they still were, I believe, last in the American League in runs scored. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact that there weren't a lot of players pro protecting them. Trey Mancini, who finished third in the in the AL in the American League in Rookie of the Year voting in 2017 took a couple of steps backwards due to a knee injury and really tried to adjust for a launch angle. And he didn't really start coming on until the second half of the year. 
he he took a step back. Adam Jones failed to hit 25 home runs for the first time since 2009. So a lot of these players who we were used to seeing be really productive in their lineup just ha- didn't have great years. And really the only player that hit throughout the year was Manny Machado. Yeah, and you, you trade them. Didn't seem like they got that great of a haul for it, right? Well, the number one prospect in their organization now is Justin L. Diaz, and they got him uh, in that in that trade. No, nobody else has really, you know, stepped up so much since then. But Justin L. Diaz is one of those guys I'm excited to play. He's a five tool to see play. He's a five tool player, and was actually hitting well above 300 and had a couple of uh, home runs, several extra base hits this spring before he got sent down. So that that's a good you know trade trade piece, and if he ends up being an all star, I think it's you know somewhat worth it to lose Machado, especially since he wasn't going to resign here anyway. Right. What were the at one point they were approaching him for a contract extension, right? How far did those talks act, actually go? Well, the thing that a lot of Orioles fans in Baltimore are upset about is that Orioles management and executives didn't approach Manny Machado's agent for the last three years that he was here about a contract extension. They approached him before he had either knee injury and came in with something like an eight-year, $60 million deal. And <laughs> and at, that's, insult, time, that's, it, that's insulting. It's insulting, but at the time, it, it's, it's insulting considering the player he is now. But at the time, it would have been the largest contract handed out to somebody with such minimal major league experience in the history of the game. But he wanted – a little, I think he wanted a million dollars extra a year. Ken Rosenthal wrote a great article about this last summer. He wanted just a little bit more, and the Orioles wouldn't budge. Which, if you've been an Orioles fan during the Peter Angelos regime, isn't really that surprising, right? Especially like as a fan, you can look at that and say, "Well, you're not going to go an extra million dollars for Machado, the best player this franchise has had probably since Cal Ripken." And but you're going to go out and spend 20 plus 20 million plus on Chris Davis a year. Yeah, man, we could do a whole show just based on <laughs> right. So I can, I can put myself in your shoes at how frustrated you could be. Well, at the time when Davis signed that contract, he had just come off of, you know, leading the majors in home runs two years out of three. And he was a guy who you didn't want to see leave the franchise. The problem was the Orioles bid against themselves and mm-hmm. they upped the price on themselves. He had no other offers and they ended up giving him that, that monster contract. And, you know, he did hit 38 home runs that year, but he only hit 221, and it's been downhill ever since. Yeah. And I feel like even in today's game, 220, 230 with almost 40 home runs is even manageable. And like a lot of players, you see it as long as their on base percentage is still, you know, pretty respectable. That's fine. But, I mean, the guy last year looked like he had never played baseball before. He was he was the lowest batting average in, in majors for qualified plate appearances, I believe. He had historically the worst batting season in the history of the game. He hit 164 last year. And he somehow still managed to hit in the heart of Buck Walters' lineup time and time again. You know, Buck actually started last year with Chris Davis as a leadoff hitter, hoping to get him on base more. It was absolutely absurd. We should have seen the writing on the wall just based on that. <laughs> so are you a uh, fan that's happy to see Buck go? Look, I love Buck Walter, and he brought winning baseball back to Baltimore. I have a picture of myself with Buck Walter on my wall that I'm looking at right now. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything against the guy, but it was time for a change. You know, at, at, when you win 47 games in a 162 game season, it's 
it's time to make a change and completely clean house. Duquette, I think, was long overdue. Showalter, it was just time. Do you think he ever recovered from not using Britain in the 2015 wildcard game? Um, or was that 2016? I can't remember. That was, that was, was. 2016. Oh, 2016. That was 2016. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that had a lot to do with things. I think that maybe he lost the team after that. Um, and they, they had the same team the next year and they won 75 games, you know? So I think he did lose the team with that. And even Zach Britton, um, it was funny that they had a thing on Twitter. They were auctioning off his 2016 wildcard game Jersey. And he I, said, saw, game. I saw that. And yeah. he said, no, it was not game used. It's, so it's, it's I, great. Yeah. The, the best reliever in baseball, one of the historically, one of the best relieving seasons we've ever seen doesn't get used i i think that there's a case we made that buck never fully recovered from that yeah and once you lose the clubhouse once you lose the respect of maybe the the leaders of the clubhouse it's impossible to recover i i don't know if you saw any of the stuff about inside the yankees empire it's a new book about basically the last decade of the yankees you know inner organization and their leaders and apparently joe girardi lost a lot of the players when he benched gary sanchez in 2017 and it was at that moment Brian Cashman decided, I'm moving on from Joe Girardi. And it was kind of a uh, bad luck thing for Cashman. The team almost went to the World Series. He didn't expect that to happen. And he's like, ah, oh, crap. Now I got to like dance around this carefully. But he made the decision as soon as he thought that the manager lost the clubhouse. That's it. Got to move on. Right. And I get that. Now, look, you know, it's comparing apples to oranges when you do Brian Cashman to Dan Duquette. But. And Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter never liked each other, and that was widely noted here in Baltimore. So I, let's be honest. You could have taken just about anybody and put them in that manager's role on that bench for the Yankees last year, and they still would have won 100 games. It's just, it's just a, that talented of a roster. So I don't, I don't think it really mattered if it was Aaron Boone or anybody else. But Cashman's one of those guys where if he makes a decision, he's going to stick with it. He's not going to backpedal. And maybe he didn't tell people of his decision, but in his mind, if that's what he wanted to do, he was going to do it regardless of what happened. Right. And so who's Brandon Hyde, new manager? What's he like? Uh, Brandon Hyde, he's a player's manager from everything I hear. All, All the players in camp have been talking about how laid back the atmosphere has been, how much fun they've been having playing baseball, how much they just love being in camp. Um, you're talking about a guy who has had, he's been a minor league manager. He's been a player development coordinator, a front office executive. He's been a bench coach in in the major leagues for Joe Madden with the Chicago Cubs. He's had success at every level. Um, wasn't a great minor league catcher, which is why he never made it to the majors. But this is a guy who the Orioles felt was right for the job because he has so much experience in so many different facets of the game. You know, we haven't seen him, uh, you know, manage in a major league game yet. Spring training means absolutely nothing. But, you know, I, so far I like everything I've, I'm hearing and everything I'm seeing from the guy. Ask me again in July what I think, and it might be different. But, you know, for now I think he's the guy that should be running the team. Yeah. And from the it, right, like you said, he has never managed a, a game before uh, and at the professional level. Neither did Aaron Boone. and But that was what the Yankees wanted. They wanted a communicator, somebody who could be a player's manager and run the clubhouse. But it's a different situation, like you were talking about, w- with the Orioles this year. They don't have a talented roster. They're not going to win anywhere close to 100 games. So they're really probably looking for Hyde to grow with the the organization and grow with the players and, and probably hopefully be there a long time, right? Absolutely. They're, they're, they are literally starting from the ground up in every facet of the team. 
And bringing in a guy like Brandon Hyde, who, who almost immediately earned the player's respect, is something that the Orioles needed to do. And you look at the background of Mike Elias and Sigma Dell, you have to trust where the Orioles are going. These guys helped build winning franchises in St. Louis and Houston. And Chicago is the next one that you talk about when you when you talk about the Astros. Then you talk about the Cubs, and that's where Brandon Hyde's coming from. It's just it seems like the Orioles are making all the right moves from that standpoint right now. It just hasn't translate. It won't translate to the field for a few more years. And that's going to be the difficult part is when they're still putting out a bad product on the field, but like you feel like they're going in the right direction. That's great. And from a fan perspective like yours, you're a diehard fan, just like I'm a diehard fan of the Yankees. What do you think about though? Like the average fan, what are they thinking about with this Orioles team? The average fan wanted Adam Jones resigned, um, which wouldn't have made any sense for this team because you're looking at somebody who would be blocking. The Orioles have a ton of outfield prospects. I'm only using Adam Jones as an example, but he, he's somebody that would have been blocking some prospect from playing this summer because he would have played all year. The average fan is probably not looking forward to the season. They probably checked out because the team lost 115 games and they're going to probably lose over 100 games again this year. And my advice to them is kind of like what Aaron Rodgers said, relax, <laughs> because you're not watching this game for results. You're watching the team to see to see if they are beating themselves, if they're playing fundamental baseball. How many one and two run games are they going to lose? Are these minor are these minor league players that are coming up? Are they going to be making strides that you can see that's tangible on the field and the pitching? You know, they have a couple of guys like uh, Dylan Bundy, Michael Givens, Richard Blyer, and that, and Mike, Miguel Castro in that rotation, in that bullpen. Are they going to bounce back? Are they going to make strides to say, hey, they're going to be part of this rebuilding team? Or do we need to bring some other guys in? So if you're watching the, the team from the standpoint of wins and losses, you're going to have a terrible year. you got to watch for the game behind the game. Yeah, and that's kind of what uh, a lot of Yankees fans did at the back half of 2016 after they traded away their their big bullpen arms and stuff like that. We were just looking for Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez to come up and show us something, and they did. So I think you're probably saying, like, if if we see something out of some of these young players, then I can have something to take away into the winter and feel good about the season. Absolutely, but they're probably not going to have many good winters in the next, you know, half decade, it's probably that we're going to see six or seven straight losing seasons. If you count the last two before any of this really comes to fruition. Right. And, uh, but there's a lot of things, you know, if Bundy has a really good first half, could you see them trading him, flipping him for some prospects? Um, I, I think they'd be more likely to trade Alex Cobb, who still has three years left on his deal. If he gets off to a good start rather than Dylan Bundy, because, Bundy's homegrown. They haven't had a homegrown ace since Mike Messina, and he's only 26 years old. So that's an arm that if he if he goes out and pitches the way that he did before he hurt his ankle last year, I think that they, that's a guy that they want to hold on to. But again, you never know. They they care more about the future right now than they do about the present. And if they see that he can get he can provide more in a trade than being on the team, they may do it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Machado. Uh, you just happy he didn't sign with the Yankees? 
Yes, I think everybody in Boston <laughs> signed with the Yankees. You probably assumed, like most people did, that he was going to wind up back with with the Yankees or or in the American League American League East. I don't think many people saw him going to San Diego. Is what I'm saying. I think that shocked the entire baseball world because that's that's a franchise that's never even won a World Series, and the Machado signs ten years, three hundred million. He did say in an interview that he would go to the team that paid him the most, and if that's a team that paid him the most, now look, they have ten prospects in the top one hundred list, so they they have a bright future. They might lose for a year or two with him on the squad, but they're 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 up and coming. They they maybe he's looking towards the future. Yeah, I mean, the Tatis Jr. at short and Machado at third, that could be a hell of a left side of the infield for a lot of years. And uh, it, it's funny how Machado said last year that he just wanted to be a shortstop and then $300 million later, sure, I'll play third base. Well, he probably thought that shortstop was how he was going to get that $300 million. That, that, that's what I, I mean, as an outsider looking into the Orioles last year, that's what I saw. Is that what you think? That's that's what I saw, and I think that the Orioles saw the writing on the wall and knew that they weren't going to re-sign him, so they gave him the opportunity to play shortstop. Uh, I think him playing shortstop honestly hurt the team from a defensive standpoint because then they didn't have anybody to play third base, and he wasn't as good. He's not as good a defender at shortstop as he is at third base. Less time to think over at third. I think that's really it's more the mental game when it comes to him playing shortstop. But uh, yeah, I just. I lost my train of thought. No, that's all, right, that's all right. No, I mean, Yankees fans, we know we talked about Machado endlessly this offseason and, and talked about his defense not being as good at shortstop as it is at third base. And the Yankees have a, a talented young third base in Andujar, but he can't field. He can hit, but he can't field. So uh, the logical thing was like, okay, well, let's trade him, bring in Machado, who's one of the best third basemen in baseball. It just, it just didn't happen. And, and a lot of Yankees, it pissed off a lot of Yankees fans that they didn't sign Machado or Harper. But I think when you look at it, uh, you know, from uh, the organizational perspective on, on the direction they're going, it made sense. Um, I just think it, it probably surprised a lot of people. And this whole free agency, I think, was just bizarre. Well, there's been a free agency freeze each of the last two off seasons. And it really made sense for the Yankees to go after Machado after they found out that uh, Didi needed Tommy John surgery. Uh, but as soon as they signed... Troy Tulowitzki and they got uh, T.J. LeMahieu to play second base. It was basically, well, where are they going to put Machado? Now you make room for a guy like that on your team, but when you think about the the contract of Stan that they have, they'd have to pay Machado three hundred million, and then Aaron Judge's contract will be coming up in a few years. How are you going to pay all those guys when they'd be all signed for you know eight to ten years? It just didn't make sense for them financially. Right. So Mike, I usually have a co-host on this show, um, and he last year predicted that the Yankees were going to go 19 and 0 against the Rays. That obviously didn't happen. This year, he's I think he's going to be predicting that they're going to go 19 and 0 against the Orioles. Do you think that's doable? No, I don't <laughs> think it's doable to go 19 and 0 against any team. Uh, I don't know if it's ever happened, but the the Orioles won six or seven games against the Yankees last year when they, they lost. They 100. played them really tough. I'm um, I'm looking up their record now. The Yankees were yeah, so they won twelve again. Excuse me, Yankees went twelve and seven against Baltimore. But there was a point in the season where I think they were below five hundred against Baltimore. A lot of those early season games, I remember one at Yankee Stadium that went something crazy like eighteen innings, and and the Orioles won it. Yeah, the Orioles took three games out of four in an early series in April 
against the Yankees that had everybody thinking, oh, they're they're back on track, and then they promptly lost something like nine of ten games when they came back to Baltimore. Um, and I, th- I I think that the Orioles team this year is going to be more competitive just because they're going to be younger and hungrier. That doesn't mean they're going to win a ton of games. It just means I think they're going to play harder, and I think that will lead to a few more wins than people are expecting, even against the Yankees. Yeah. Um, so this is something we've asked all the people who have come on and done these previews. Uh, predict the final AL East standings. Final AL East standings. Do you want records or just who, how I think Oh, no, just, just the order of teams. Um, honestly, it's going to go Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles. The, uh, the Yankees... The Yankees rotation is good enough, and that bullpen is so solid. They're, uh, even with the injuries that they have early in the year, they'll be able to withstand that. They're going to be the best team maybe in the American League. Yeah, I mean, that's on paper. It, they don't play the games on paper, right? But, yeah, I agree with you. That Red Sox bullpen, I, I just cannot believe they didn't really do anything to improve it. It doesn't make sense to me, especially when you just won the World Series and you could have re-signed Craig Kimbrell. You have the money to do it. it I know they want to stay under the luxury tax threshold, but what's a few extra million if it gets you another World Series? Well, once you're in the Red Sox boat where you've got to win as many World Series as you possibly can with the current core on the team, I think you, you go you go hog wild and spend as much as you can at that point. When you're a team like the Red Sox or the Yankees, you can you can afford to do that. I understand other teams can't do it, but Boston, New York, L.A., those kind of teams can do it. Man, I wish I knew what it felt like to be a fan of a team that could spend that much. No, you guys spend. You guys paid all that money for Chris Davis. What are you talking about? That's not good enough? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, Paul. And uh, sorry that it's going to be a tough baseball season for you. But maybe in like 2024, when we're previewing the Orioles, you guys got something exciting to talk about. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. I'm actually more excited for this team this year than I've been in a long time. So. I you know what that means you're a true fan because you're excited to watch the kids play rather than the than the old veterans you know that aren't really going to do much. So I, I respect that. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate. It. I mean, when when your team hasn't won a World Series in 35 years, it's it's the little victories. <laughs> All right, Paul. I appreciate the time. All right, man. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home, and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.